Hi, everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to Top of the Morning on the UBS Conversations podcast channel for today. Glad to welcome back both Ainsley Carbone, retirement strategist for the Americas, as well as Justin Waring, senior total wealth strategist for the Americas, for a conversation on the newly released 2024 Retirement Planning Guide. This is part of the Modern Retirement Monthly publication series. A lot to dig into within this piece, so looking forward to hearing inside today from both Ainsley and Justin. Although Ainsley, Justin, to start, do want to welcome you both back. Happy New Year. Looking forward to our conversation today. Thank you, Dan. Looking forward to it. Happy New Year. So as mentioned, Ainsley, within the latest Modern Retirement Monthly, it does provide an update on what's new in 2024 for the retirement planning landscape. I mentioned that there was a lot to unpack within this piece. So uh, perhaps a good starting point. Let's begin with what's new with respect to Medicare. What can you share with us? Yeah, absolutely, Dan. So every year, there are many costs that the Center for Medicare reviews and they make adjustments to it based on inflation and to also align with their projection for healthcare spending. So while there are several parts and costs associated with Medicare, a big focus as it relates to the cost is on Part B premiums. Part B is what you pay. That's the premium for the medical insurance. And the reason I think most people like to focus on this is because you'll generally pay that Part B premium whether you're covered by original Medicare or if you're covered by Medicare Advantage. So the standard monthly premium for Medicare Part B is increasing to $174.70 per month per individual. So this is up from $164.90 in 2023. So that's roughly a 6% increase. So everyone covered by Medicare Part B is subject to this standard monthly premium. And then, depending on your income, you may be subject to what's called an income-related monthly adjustment amount. It's essentially just an income-related surcharge each month. It varies, but it can be as high as an additional $420 per month per person. So as a couple in the highest income bracket, that couple could be charged an additional $840 per month. So it's certainly a significant amount, but these income-related surcharges did also see an increase of 6%. And so again, there are so many different costs associated with Medicare, but Part B is certainly a major aspect of that. Part D is also going to see income-related monthly adjustment amount. And so as it relates to your Medicare costs in the year ahead, we certainly suggest taking a look at those Part B premiums, Part D premiums as well, and any other costs such as deductibles, uh, co-pays, and anything else associated with those costs, because every aspect of it certainly does vary from one year to the next. Okay, so some important update there, thinking about those cost considerations you shared with us, Ainsley. Now, uh, what about with respect to Social Security benefits? What's new? So every year, the Social Security Administration takes a look at the benefits and makes an adjustment. So this is called the cost of living adjustment. And it's based on a measure of inflation. And the goal of this COLA, or the cost of living adjustment, is to really just help retirees protect the purchasing power of their benefits. So in 2024, the Social Security retirement benefits saw an increase of 3.2%. 
So that's certainly a decent increase. However, I do think that some retirees were maybe a little bit uh, looking forward to hopefully something more because the prior year we saw an increase of 8.7%, which was the largest increase I think it was in maybe 40 years. So even still, the 3.2% is certainly a decent increase. It's better than no increase, that's for sure. But when we do look at the the annual benefit increase, it has historically kept pace with the consumer price index or or broad economic inflation. But even still, many retirees do find that it, it doesn't always keep pace with their own personal, personal expenditures inflation. And I think the reason for that is really just because everyone spends differently. The, the CPI that's used to, to make the adjustment to the cost of living each year isn't always going to capture every single retiree's household spending. And so I think it's really important to keep that in mind because as you hear that 3.2% cost of living adjustment, that doesn't necessarily mean that you, your own individual household, is going to be able to increase your spending by 3.2%. One major area where this is, is pretty obvious is when we take a look at the Part B premium increases that I was just speaking about because most households or most retirees end up having their Part B premium deducted directly from their Social Security benefit. So if the Medicare Part B premium increases more than the Social Security benefit increases, then you're not going to see that equal 3.2% increase in your net Social Security benefit. So again, it varies depending on your income. That Part B premium and the amount that's deducted is going to vary depending on your income. But the bottom line is Social Security did see a 3.2% increase in benefits this year, but it's really important to make sure you're taking the time to not only review your Social Security income, but you also want to review any other income you're receiving this year and also look at that next to any increases in your expenses. And that's really how you're going to be able to get the full picture as to how your purchasing power is increasing for 2024. Well, Ainsley, that was very helpful. Thank you for the updates provided on both Social Security benefits and prior. You spoke about Medicare a lot here for our listeners, our clients to assess. I do want to welcome Justin Waring into the conversation. So, Justin, in previous conversations, we have updated our listeners on provisions as it relates to Secure 2.0. So what are some provisions for 2024 that our listeners should be mindful of? Thank you, Dan. And yeah, there's really four major provisions for 2024 that we want to be mindful of. Uh, there's some other there's some other provisions that are going to be impacting uh, retirees and, and workers in the years ahead. But there's really four changes that are going to you know merit some action this year. The first one is the change to the required minimum distribution age. So if you turn 73 in 2024 or later, you don't need to start taking required minimum distributions or RMDs until you reach the age of 73. So prior to the Secure 2.0 Act, RMDs had begun at age 72. And then, you know, further down the line, if you reach age 73 in 2033 or later, your RMDs won't start until age 75. And so if you're turning 73 this year, you should work with your financial advisor to determine how and when you take your, your first RMD. Your first RMD, technically, you don't have to take until April 2025 if you're turning 73 this year. Um, but you know, that could put 
potentially put you into a higher tax bracket because you'll need to take next year's RMD by the end of 2025, thus putting two into a single taxable year. And so you should really talk to your financial advisor about what the best approach is, delaying your distributions as long as is possible under the, the rules is not always the best strategy because you really want to spread your taxable income across as many taxable years as possible to stay in a lower tax bracket. Um, the second change that is going to affect retirees and workers in 2024 is that you're able to give more to a charity through a qualified charitable distribution. So starting this year, um, the annual limit for qualified charitable distributions is increasing um, to account for inflation. So it was $100,000. Uh, it will now be $105,000. Now, just a, a reminder, a qualified charitable distribution is a way that you and your spouse can transfer some of your retirement assets um, directly to qualified charities um, instead of, you know, instead of a, all or a portion of your RMD um, without incurring tax income on that distribution. And so uh, that is that is something that you should maybe consider if qualified charitable distributions are a part of your giving strategy. Just check with your financial advisor and, and, and update your plan so that uh, the amount of distributions is potentially increased this year if you're if you're really taking advantage of the full limit. Um, another change that uh, you know is going to start this year is uh, the fact that some 529 assets can now be rolled over to a Roth IRA. Now, some is doing a lot of work in that sentence. There's a lot of a lot of caveats to this. So, for example, um, the 529. The 529 account needs to be open for more than 15 years before the transfers can begin. Another issue is that you really can only um, make of, make this transfer up to the limit of a Roth IRA contribution, so that would be about $7,000 per year, and that the, there's a lifetime limit for these, these transfers of $35,000 per beneficiary. And so... Um, there's there's some other provisions that you know some other some other limitations, but the basic idea is that for each beneficiary of a 529, you, you will be able to transfer up to thirty five thousand dollars to a Roth IRA, which is uh, potentially attractive on, from a tax perspective, and it's it's another release valve uh, for people who are who have overfunded a 529 plan because their children are brilliant and got a scholarship or or got extra financial aid or. Uh, other other assistance that reduced the cost of college beyond what the family had planned for. And the last change is, uh, you know, starting this year, you may start to see voluntary plan provisions pop up in your employer's retirement plan. So, for example, the ability to offer um, matching contributions on a Roth basis or the ability to match your student loan uh, debt payments as if they were contributions to the 401k. And so not every employer is going to be implementing these. These are voluntary provisions, but um, make sure you, you take a look at your benefits and see if these changes affect you and, and then further you know, talk with your financial advisor about whether this is a, is a good approach um, for, for you. Justin, thank you for the updates and the guidance there. Another topic I wanted to get your thoughts on as I was making my way through the guide, I noticed how it also addresses how one can manage taxes on retirement assets. And this is important, mindful that the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, it is set to sunset in 2025. I know we just hit a new year, though 2025 will be here before we know it. So what should our listeners know here, Justin? A lot of the changes to the tax code will will take effect at the end of 
2025. So the first tax year uh, that it'll affect is potentially 2026. So we have a little bit more time. But, you know, the, the idea is there are some things that we can do this tax year and next tax year to realize income before taxes go higher, um, because in, in many cases, um, the tax burden for individual investors' income is, is going to be much higher in 2026. So one, one example is that the tax brackets were drastically changed, um, you know, during during this this period since 2017. Um, the standard deduction was doubled. There were many provisions, like state and local tax provisions, that were that were capped. Uh, so many many individual itemized deductions were were capped. The tax brackets themselves were moved around, uh, such that most people are paying a lower tax than they, than they were before. Um, and so, you know, one one thing that you may want to consider this year and next year is bringing forward some taxable income that would otherwise fall in 2026 and later. So, for example, implementing a Roth conversion could be a good idea, a partial Roth conversion, taking a portion of your traditional 401k or IRA and converting it to Roth, realizing taxable income in this year and next year um, may allow you to move some of your future income into a lower tax bracket. And then another issue is the estate tax. Uh, so the lifetime gift and estate tax exemption uh, per individual is currently uh, about 13.61 million, but uh, starting in 2026, we estimated it'll drop by about 50% to 6.56 billion per person. So that'll still leave about $13.12 million per couple, but um, a drop of 14 million or so from where it is today for, for a married couple. And so if you do have um, assets today that are above the lifetime exemption, then you should you should probably take advantage of, of using up that exemption now while it's at the higher level. If your family expects that their wealth will grow beyond the new exemption um, by the end of your life, then you know doing some t some uh, gifting today to take advantage and use up some of that lifetime exemption um, could could also be a, a good idea. Um, currently, the estate tax does not affect many families. Uh, because of how high the lifetime gift and estate tax exemption is. Um, but, uh, you know, with the lower exemption in the future, we, we're expecting many more families to have to deal with this. And so uh, being as proactive as possible will allow you to you know, get some assets out of your estate, get some of the future growth of your portfolio out of your estate, and therefore potentially reduce your future estate tax liability. So as we begin to close out, Justin Ainsley, you've left our listeners, our clients with a lot to think about. Uh, with that, I do want to offer you an opportunity to provide our listeners with any final thoughts, takeaways, anything you would like to reinforce before we close out. Ainsley, beginning with you, and then Justin, would be great to hear your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the majority of the discussion today is was certainly relevant, mostly for our listeners who are closer to retirement or already in their retirement years, but there's certainly other aspects to keep in mind that are relevant for younger investors who may be at the beginning of their career, such as the contribution limits to retirement plans for 2024. So I encourage you to certainly look at the report for additional information, but I also just wanted to highlight another resource that our team has, which is our retirement guidebook. So 
the retirement guidebook is a presentation. It's essentially a one-stop shop that hosts all of our retirement planning advice that's relevant to all investors, regardless of age. And we do update it on an ongoing basis, just, just to kind of reflect any of our new research and also any changing landscape, such as taxes or, or regulation. And so in order to define this, you can visit UBS.com forward slash retirement guidebook. So we do have our our version from the prior year up there, but we do plan to update it this week. And so I just wanted to highlight that URL, the vanity URL, UBS.com forward slash retirement guidebook. If you check it out there in the coming week, we will have our latest information up there and you can check it out throughout the year because we will continue to update it. Yeah. And I just want to mention, you know, that the the real weight of all of the advice in, in our research is a little bit difficult to cover, um, you know, with your financial advisor. There's a, so many things to talk about. And so we really do recommend that you spread your conversations with your advisor throughout the year to make sure that you're tackling each of these retirement subjects um, on an ongoing basis, making sure that your financial advisor is up to date on your situation, get, you know, making time for, you, for your financial advisor to provide you advice and, and feedback on your plan. And so we, we have also a series of reports called the seasonal planning checklists uh, that makes it makes it uh, a regular process of the account review conversations that you have with your financial advisor. Something to talk about other than what recently happened in financial markets um, and and certainly um, an opportunity to take some action that'll add value to your to your financial plan. And so uh, cer- certainly keep an eye out for that. There's, a, there's links inside of the retirement guidebook as well to each of the seasons. You know, as we are in the winter season right now, uh, we're focused on uh, spending and savings reviews, so reviewing you know expenses from last year versus what we had expected to spend last year. Obviously, um, this is the time to to take take uh, heed of how much we're likely to pay in income taxes, and there's still a window of opportunity through April to make prior year contributions to tra- traditional 401k and IRA accounts to reduce your tax burden for last year, um, and then obviously taking stock of your retirement income. You know, uh, you know, what will your retirement income be? Is there any way that you can supplement that with annuities um, and, and other guaranteed income products? Um, and so that's that's just an example of, of things that you can sort of tackle throughout the year. Make sure that uh, your your portfolio and your plan reflect life's latest changes as well as the latest changes from Congress. Justin Ainsley, thank you both for dropping by top of the morning, spending some time today with our listeners, our clients, as always, a very productive, informative conversation covering these important updates, considerations, and topics for our clients. So do look forward to having you both back throughout the year for follow-up conversations. Thank you again. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Dan. Absolutely. And again, today we have been speaking with Ainsley Carbone, retirement strategist for the Americas, as well as Justin Waring, senior total wealth strategist for the Americas, 
both from the UBS Chief Investment Office, has mentioned many times, uh, please do not hesitate to our clients. Please reach out to your UBS financial advisor if you have any follow-up questions based on what you've heard today from both Ainsley and Justin, as well as if you would like to receive a direct copy of the latest Modern Retirement Monthly, the 2024 Retirement Planning Guide. And as Ainsley pointed out, as well as Justin, keep an eye out for updates to the website ubs.com slash retirement guidebook. Again, that's ubs.com slash retirement guidebook. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. Neither UBS Financial Services, Inc. nor any of its employees provide tax or legal advice. You should consult with your personal tax or legal advisor regarding your personal circumstances. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.